With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Nation. Trace Trelko here. Welcome into the Sons of UCF Live. 43 days until UCF kicks off the 2021 season tonight. We're talking about the offensive line. College football insider Phil still weighs in on this show, and we draw for our Predator ticket winners. This is a special Wednesday edition of the Sons of UCF Live, starring Adam and Mike. Uh, question Why don't we pronounce the D in Wednesday? Why is it Wednesday? Does anybody know? Asking the hard questions. Hard-hitting yeah, questions but, right off the top of the show. Well, because we don't usually do these on Wednesdays, and so this is the first time I had to consider Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, well, <laughs> glad to be here. Glad Mike showed up, too. Yeah, man, this has been a busy offseason. We were just talking. This, we've had a new AD, a new head coach, and now no offseason is complete without some conference expansion news, right? That is correct. Uh, again, we're going to give away those Predator tickets. Stay with us. We'll announce the winners. But as Mike mentioned, the breaking news this afternoon, the Houston Chronicle reporting Oklahoma and Texas with overtures to the SEC to create a Super League of 16 teams. Adam, begin with you. Does that mean that the Big 12 has come a calling for UCF sometime soon? Maybe. Um, first off, I'm surprised that Oklahoma and Texas want to work together. That seems... Uh, abnormal for those two institutions but here's the thing we're going to hear these rumors throughout the next couple of god knows how many how many weeks and months um already after this came out then there was reports that multiple schools texas a&m missouri among them would block the the addition of these two schools which makes that path a little harder some are reporting this is imminent within the next couple of weeks oklahoma put a statement out that didn't exactly refute all this and basically just said we're not commenting on rumors but really is that's their comment is they, they probably have this in their, in their bag. Other schools in, in uh, the Big 12 seem surprised by this, Oklahoma State among them. So all of that's to say, I don't know that I believe or I know what's real or what's not real. I think we're going to get conference realignment talk. I think that's the natural progression. Does that mean the Big 12 comes a call? And maybe, 
But do we answer that call, right? Because then what's left of the Big 12? I mean, Mike's always up for a good road trip, but I'm not sure if he's in for a Waco, uh, Lubbock uh, back-to-back roadie there. So is the Big 12 the best spot for us at that point? Does the ACC do something? Does the Big 10 do something? So if anything, it maybe puts us in an advantageous position to be considered for conferences. I don't know that it's an automatic we should jump to the Big 12, but I'm also still very much in the skeptical camp of this actually becoming a reality. Yeah, who knows if this is even going to happen. This could just be all negotiating from Texas and Oklahoma to get a bigger TV deal or a bigger part, part of the Big 12 pie. I don't know what they're up to. But if this does happen, it's going to send shockwaves throughout all of college football. It's going to have ripple effects in every conference. Like you were just mentioning, will we better, be better off staying in the American and taking some teams from the Big 12? Will the Big 10 come in and try to take a couple of teams out of the Big 12? The ACC, are they going to try to go up to 16? Is the SEC going to stop at 16? What's going to stop them from going up to 20? <laughs> All sorts of hypotheticals there. You left out the Pac-12, which should get more aggressive in this, but you do wonder when it all settles down, does the AAC come across stronger than a rated Big 12? It all seems like a lot of summer talk, right? I mean, that a deal could come together in weeks unless this thing has been very much moved along for quite some time. And you just can't see it. Texas A&M already sending out uh, that it's not interested in this sort of thing. And uh, it needs 11 of 14 SEC schools to approve it. Hard to imagine that that would happen. And if I'm not mistaken, Oklahoma's legislature requires Oklahoma, Oklahoma State go together in a package deal. The SEC decides what it wants to do. And while it would want Texas, perhaps Oklahoma, it's hard to imagine that it would want both without some ramifications. I did see on Twitter that somebody's refuting that Oklahoma, Oklahoma State package deal situation, Trey. So I don't know what's true there. But again, this this is summer talk, right? This is fodder. We're going to see this um, with the playoff expansion. I think everyone's still kind of curious what this means. Is this even really good for the SEC? I mean, I guess technically maybe, right? The, the TV contracts will go through the roof uh, and they'll make more money, but it will be harder uh, potentially for teams to get in the playoff. So I, I think we're going to see this kind of talk. I, I think if I'm UCF, and I guess I am technically, um, I'm in an advantageous position, right? Because if that gives me a chance to then sort of pick and choose my lane, my path, uh, we haven't been in that position ever, frankly, with a conference perspective. So if we have multiple overtures or there are multiple opportunities, I think that's the spot you want to be in. Um, but again, I, I'll believe kind of some of the stuff when I see it. I, I do... I can understand why Texas and Oklahoma may look around and say, let me get out of this. You make it, you brought up the Pac-12 or Pac-10 or Pac-16, whatever they are now. Um, and I think that's another wild card here because they have a new conference commissioner. Um, I think he's poised to be a little bit more aggressive. So we'll see what all this shakes out to be. Again, this sounds like really good, fun summer talk, right? Really good hypotheticals. But I do think in the net net of this is UCF hopefully ends up advantageously with a spot that they want to be in versus one they're, they're kind of forced or stuck to, to sort of take. With the playoff expansion going the way they're talking about going, six top six conferences making it. I think we're right there now with the Pac-12 and the Big 12 probably better than off than those conferences if Texas and Oklahoma leave the Big 12. So we may be in a perfect spot right here in the AAC. And this just might be the beginning. Like, like I said, this could, they've been talking for years about four super conferences, 18, 20 teams each. Hopefully we find ourselves in the mix once it's all done shaking up. Who knew AAC Commissioner Mike Oresco would be so prophetic with that power six, huh? We might have to give him some due, depending on how this all shakes out. I do think it's a lot of summer fodder. It is interesting to lead the show off with tonight. A couple of news and notes uh, from UCF football. Seems that the kickoff luncheon now has a kickoff date, Thursday, August 19th at the arena. Interesting in the release. Uh, no mention that players would be seated with fans at tables. I wonder if that'll affect attendance of that event. COVID, no doubt, uh, concerns about Im- impacting that. Athletic Director Terry Mahajer pressing that six, 96% of season tickets are sold, which still means 1,656 seats remain. They just can't seem to get over that hump. They've been at this close number for a while, just 43 days out. Uh, some watch lists. I know you guys love watch lists. Dylan Gabriel on a couple. Maxwell Award for the Outstanding Player in College Football. There are only like 60 guys on that list. And the Davey O'Brien Award for Best Quarterback. Uh, of course, uh, UCF less than two weeks until the start of training camp. We've got a boom and a kicker looking like he will commit. Uh, Lake Mary kid, uh, Colton Boomer. You have to like that name. And um, some odds released for uh, the upcoming AAC season. 
UCF listed as a four to one shot to uh, win the AAC. Cincinnati listed at five to nine. The Cows, 200 to one. Mike, you got a dollar? You want to throw a dollar on uh, on the Cows to win the AAC? No, I do not. <laughs> I have better ways to waste my money. Um, every team in the AAC I saw is ranked, it has the same odds to win the national championship. If that makes you feel any better. We have the same odds as the Cows to win the national championship. That's just telling you before the season, nobody in our conference has a chance, not even Cincinnati, none of us. So, uh, but to win the actual conference, I like where we're standing right now. I, right now, you got to put Cincinnati as the odds on favorite just because they're the defending champs and they're returning a lot of guys from last year, but we're right there with them. Uh, and don't be surprised with Houston. I was looking at the schedule. Houston has the easiest schedule in the conference. They don't play Cincinnati. They don't play UCF. They get SMU and Memphis at home. That, that, that's a recipe for a pretty good season. Yeah, it could be a rebound season for Houston. Earlier, Adam and I spoke with college football guru Phil Steele. The full interview will be released uh, wherever you get all of those audio clips that you download, the pods that you download will be released. And Adam, is that coming out on Thursday morning? Is that uh, the release date for Phil Steele? 6 a.m. Thursday morning, Phil Steele is in your feed. One of the things we talked about with Phil was Cincinnati is a favorite. What will it take for UCF to get over the hump? And he mentions that uh, you're going to need to see Dylan Gabriel really go to another level to beat Cincinnati on the road. Well, keep in mind, there is a guy like Desmond Ritter there that's playing for Cincinnati. And I think probably the winner of that game, uh, that that would be the key. If uh, UCF goes into Cincinnati and comes out of there with a win, then I think Dylan Gabriel will be first team uh, uh, All-American. Because, I mean, you know the stats are going to be there. Let's face it, last year, even in a shortened season, he threw for 3,500 yards. He had 32 touchdowns, just four interceptions. Uh, so all, all he has to do is uh, beat Cincinnati on the road, and I think he'll be number one over Desmond Ritter. Yeah, no tall task there, right? Have to beat Cincinnati on the road. Uh, we'll hear another bite from Phil still coming up. Again, the full interview being released Thursday morning on your pod feed. We previewed that we'd be talking about the offensive line. When we polled on this last week, it was the position group on offense that fans were most concerned about. But brings back the most experience. What do you guys think? Are you concerned going into the season about the offensive line? Yeah, I think I said last week, Travis, I'm actually not that concerned, not as concerned as others might be because it's a veteran group. The, the list of the names of the guys coming back all played significant minutes last year. So, you know, you have guys with experience. I mean, if there's anything that you're concerned about, new scheme, new coach, right? Obviously, sometimes it takes, it takes some time to pick up a new playbook and get your rhythm down and those kind of things. But there's there's a ton of experience across that O-line. So, you know, I would I would think that w- with those guys having that game experience, just really need to acclimate to a new coach, a new system. So I, I don't know that I'm as concerned as others might be. I can understand why why some people may say that uh, based off of, of last year and a, a couple of tough games and some, some penalties. I think that's really the only area I'm concerned. I do have some stats here. Yeah, I love my stats, Trace. Uh, UCF, and while this is certainly not all offensive line, so I want to be clear, I'm not blaming all of this on the O-line. We were 123rd in the nation in the penalties last year, averaged 74 penalty yards a game, 92 penalties uh, on the year. So obviously penalties need to be cleaned up. We know we had a couple of games where the O-line was having some some challenges with snap counts and with the defense trying to draw guys off sides. But the, the names on here, Trace, Collins, Schneider, Lee, Balue, uh, Sam Jackson, Marcus Tatum, those guys are all veterans. They've played together before. Really, the only thing you ask is, and it's everybody, frankly, except for the receivers, is you have a new position coach. How do you gel with that uh, that new coach? Half of those penalties, I think, were on that one drive at East Carolina last year. <laughs> but even the backups at the offensive line are guys that with experienced seniors that have been here for a long time. You talk about Tatum, you talk about Josh McMullen, Brett Bell. These guys have experience on the field, so if something does happen and they have to fill in, you're not putting a freshman in off the sideline with no experience. And Matt Lee, the youngest guy on the offensive line, grew up a lot last year. He, he may end up being the best of the group when it's all said and done. So I like where the offensive line is right now. It's all going to depend on how they adjust to the new system. I mean, it's, the, the hypo system is completely different from what Malzahn's going to run, how much longer they have to hold their blocks, the run game, everything is different. So we're all going to find out together. That's right. Schneider and Lee, all AAC. They really grew as the year went along. 
they're going to be asked to do different things, right? You're going to expect to see a different type of running game. And if we are going to have a Dylan Gabriel win the big game, and especially on the road, which so far has eluded him, you're going to need strong play up front. Well, Matt, uh, you know, Mike mentioned Madley. He grew up a lot last year. But I mean, we forget about Edward Collins. He was a kid who came in. The Tulsa game from uh, two years ago comes to mind. He had a couple of really late, um, really tough penalties. He grew up a ton last year. You have Sam Jackson, who plays pretty much every position on the O-line. So a ton of versatility. He can be plug in anywhere and, and, uh, and fill a need. Uh, really, Marcus Tatum, I don't know if we've seen what his potential is. He came in, obviously, as a grad transfer from Tennessee. Him taking, I think he's now a super senior is what they call them. So he's taking his COVID extra year of eligibility. So the, the talent is there. The depth is there. Um, and again, I think Edward Collins really came up last year. Um, uh, Palouay was another guy uh, we all expected last year. The talk was Parker Boudreau. He's going to be great. And he didn't, I think he played zero snaps last year. I think he dressed yeah. for one game. And we saw that, that the offensive line continued to adjust. Palouay stepped in. He's He's going to have to control his emotions a little bit. He had a couple of games where he got a couple of uh, dead ball type penalties. And, you know, you love that kind of stuff because he's protecting his quarterback and his guys. But I'm not as concerned about this group. I think with solid coaching and, and by all accounts, Herb Hand is uh, is a reputable offensive line coach uh, with Gus's system. Um, and I think and I think and we can ask our, our guests here this evening coming up soon. I think offensive linemen prefer run blocking than pass blocking, right? I think they love to co- to connect with a guy and just drive him into the ground. So with Gus wanting to run the ball, maybe they're going to perk up a little bit more knowing that they'll have a chance to really kind of get physical, um, which I assume is what offensive linemen want to do since they're, I don't know, like 300 pounds and stuff. We're doing some research on the Malzahn offense, I can see that he likes to have his guards pull a lot. So that's putting a lot of offensive linemen in motion. And one thing we know about our guys, they've been pretty well conditioned under the hypo offense to move quickly. So that shouldn't be an issue. Now, hopefully they've bulked up and gotten a little strength here going into this season. And like you said, open up the run game. Well, uh, Coach Malzahn has praised the depth of the offensive line position. And when we spoke with Phil Still, the college football insider, he too echoed that he likes to, the, the depth on this offensive line. And then the offensive line is a veteran group. In fact, when I talked to Coach Malzahn, I was going over the team with them. He said what impressed him most about the group on the offensive line was the quality depth that they have. So depth on the offensive line. You like to hear that. We will hear more from Phil Still. 25 minutes, Adam and I go one-on-one with him. That full interview being released on Thursday. So when I was thinking of experts that we could talk to, to really get some in-depth insider knowledge on the offensive line, I thought of our guest tonight, Jennifer Jackson. The last day may seem familiar. She's the mother of number 73, Sam Jackson. Jennifer, thanks for joining us on the Sons of UCF Live. Thanks for having me. All right, so so what do you think? You, you messaged me you didn't like the results of that poll last week with Night Nation saying they're most concerned about the offensive line. Put fans' minds at ease. Why will this group be strong in 2021? Well, you guys already said it. We've got um, at least six starting veterans coming back. Um, we're 15 deep. And as far as um, backups go, they are conditioned and they're uh, they're ready. So hide and watch. Jennifer, what have you heard about the uh, the new coaching staff, particularly um, uh, Herb Hand, who was coaching the O line? What have What have you heard from uh, from your son and other players on the team about how they've adjusted to his system and his coaching style? Well, they love him. That's the first thing. And when they first got here, um, Coach Hand called us individual parents and he and I were on the phone for like an hour. I fell in love immediately. Um, We talked a lot of football and I knew that he was the right guy for my son's uh, senior year. So the team loves him. They're, they're very connected and uh, well bonded for sure. 99% of football fans, when they're watching football, they follow the ball. They're watching the quarterback. They're watching the receivers. You're the mother of an offensive lineman. How do you watch the games? Do you just watch what Sam's doing and see if he's pancaked something, somebody, and then go back and find out what happened in the play later? I can't even – honestly, I don't even know what Dylan does during a game. When <laughs> Sam's out there, I absolutely watch every move he makes. And we do record the game. So after every game, we – you know, home game, we come home and we watch it. We fast forward through when defense is out there. But, um, yeah, we check it out when we get home as well. But I'm usually praying the whole time he's out there. What is it like to watch game film with Sam? Is he super critical of his performances? Um, he's definitely his own worst critic. Uh, 
if he sees something, you know, he'll say, oh, I screwed that up or I didn't do a good job. Or if I see something I think he did, he, you know, if it wasn't him, he'll say, no, so-and-so didn't make their play or they didn't understand it. But for the most part, he takes credit for whatever's messed up. As night fans, we probably owe you and every uh, every parent an apology because as soon as the play is over, everyone's on Twitter yelling and screaming. People in the audience are yelling and screaming. As a parent, how do you deal with hearing maybe criticism around you from from fans or reading it on Twitter? I, I'm sure you know. I'm, I'm a parent. Mike's a parent. We want to defend our kids at all at all costs. But how do you sort of respond when you hear some of that negativity, uh, either in your social media feed or around you at the games? Well, usually we're, you know, parents have their own section. So for the most part, we just sit with ourselves. But I've been at a game um, last year where a couple fans slid in there and they started talking trash. But one of the um, fathers handled it and told them, you know, they'd have to go. But on Twitter, I keep my fingers off my keyboard. Um, I did one time last year. uh, You know, we lost. I don't know what game it was. It was about one point. Maybe I don't remember and i did the next day took a picture of the sunrise and posted and said hey twitter mafia guess what the sun came up it's a new day you know it's it's the best i could do but yeah i try not to say anything because i'm not you know i'm a parent so i don't want to get involved does sam have any pre-game superstitions does he make you make in a certain meal before a game or anything like that um no no pre-game meal from his mother they eat together but um I always send him a text on game day and, you know, we have our little ritual. And then um, when he hits the field, he, you know, does his kneeling by himself and does his own talking to the powers that be. And in the locker room, I think he just listens to his uh, playlist. But other than that, no. Earlier, Adam asked you about the experience of watching a game. You're focused on him and the offensive line. But when there may be an injury situation, that's got to give you just just drive you insane. And as you shared with me, there have been a couple of uh, maybe flops there that weren't really injuries. Can you share one of those stories? Um, sure. The FAU game, I think a couple of years ago, Heupel decided to use Sam um, on the PAT, uh, you know, to give them a break. I mean, I hope I'm not revealing too much. And Sam went down. I was sitting at the top with Teresa and the other parents. And basically I shoved him out of the way and I ran down like 50 stairs and got down to where the police were. And they were laughing at me like, cause they knew I, I said, no, I got to get out there. That's my son. He's on the ground. But Sam had failed to tell me that he was the chosen one. So, uh, yeah, that was that. Uh, I don't no more. None of that nonsense. And I told Hypo when he came out when we were with the players. I said, "Don't use, don't use him." He said, "I didn't. Know. He didn't take credit for it, but it was him." So. All right, let's get to the hard-hitting questions. Uh, I, again, I'm a parent. I have a 14-year-old and a 9-year-old. Um, what do you feed a 300-pound child? Like, how how does that work for you with, with Sam growing up? Like, what was the, what was the dinner look like? How many plates was Sam putting together? How many grocery carts do we have? What's it like feeding a large human being like that? Well, he actually has a brother, and they're both about the same size. Um, and growing up, um, you know, I'm not the greatest cook, so. We ordered out a lot, um, for sure. Sorry about that. Uh, but uh, he really, I, I can't even say that he ate a lot. I mean, he is 325 now or 324 maybe, but um, uh, now it's more of a pure low carb, you know, um, high protein program that he's on for football season. But thank God the school um, feeds him. That's all I got to say. Cause my grocery bill, certainly in high school, um, I had a, a scout tell me, he said, I'm not really supposed to talk to you, but I just want you to know you're going to get a raise as soon as Sam goes to college. And I didn't understand that, but he was talking about my grocery bill. So, <laughs> sure. I'm sure you're aware there's a pretty famous actor named Samuel Jackson. Now, did that have any part in you naming him Sam? And is his middle name start with an L? Uh, no, his his name is Samuel Benjamin um, Keegan's Jackson, and I named him after my father, who was William Benjamin. But we owned a donut shop um, many years before children, and my father was always like, you know, the Sam Breakstone commercial. You know, nothing was good enough, so I just started calling him Sam, and it stuck with him. And so when Sam was born, I named him after my dad. 
A question we often pose to the student athletes is why did they choose UCF? What was their recruiting process like? But we don't often get the chance to ask parents like uh, parents that question. What was that process like for Sam? Where else did he consider going? And was it stressful on you as a parent to be involved in that? Well, it was definitely exciting to say the least. Um, his first offer came from University of Miami and he was in between 10th and 11th grade because they're not supposed to talk to him, but they called his head coach and his head coach called me in the middle of the day. I was in a staff meeting and I thought something bad had happened and I you know, went and called him back and uh, to the next room and he was flipping out. He said, you know, Miami called, they want Sam, they want him, you know. And so we went down and, um, you know, went through that whole process. And as far, and there was, uh, you know, other schools, um, Kentucky, uh, USF called the day before. They'd been trying to get Sam, but they called his coach the day before signing day and Sean King actually, and asked if he was uh, committed to UCF for sure. Sam's head coach had taken him to a spring game at UCF and we ended up, they called him the next day and offered him, you know, right on the spot. And so we ended up going to UCF for all of their home games that year. And the summer between um, 11th and 12th grade, he committed to them. So it was that that's pretty much how it worked out. But yeah, even um, Lovey Smith sent him a DM and invited him to a camp um, when he was in, where was he at? In uh, Illinois. Yeah, Illinois. So, yeah, so there were several schools, but um, I'm glad he chose UCF. There was a feeling about the school. He made the choice. I didn't make it. Um, When Al Golden left Miami and um, Mark Reich came in, they had him down as well, but I just, I don't know. It wasn't a, it just wasn't a good feeling. That's all. I know this may be an impossible question, but do you have a favorite memory or favorite play, a favorite game so far from Sam's UCF career? Um, well, there's a few where he's, you know, pushed people down. Last year's game, I can't remember who the player was, but he got drafted this year as a defensive player. And uh, Sam, you know, uh, put him to the ground a few times so much so that he ended up leaving the game for, you know, a few plays. So that excited me. But it's a bad thing to say because, you know, I've always said to him, like, go out there and make somebody's mama mad. But I really had to back off saying that because it's not nice, you know. I shouldn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Sam was recently awarded the Noble Knight Award for excelling on the football field in the classroom and in the community. Obviously, you're very proud of him. What are you most proud of so far? Um, well, just who he is in general, like his, his heart, really, he, no matter what, I love football. I mean, I, you know, I've loved it. He's been watching me coach football from the couch since he was, I don't know, two or three. And, um, it is, I mean, football is an important part of our life, but how he treats other people, um, how he, you know, he's just a kind soul and, you know, even how he is with his, uh, younger football um, players, you know, he, he takes care of them. He, he makes sure even, I mean, how he is with Dylan, you know, that, that makes me, I don't know. You can't see it. That makes me really happy. I'm going to pick that up. You can, oh, I don't know if you'll be able to see it. Probably not, but there's, a yeah, picture. we can see it. Okay. Tilt it up. Tilt it up. There you go. Right there. There you go. That's a All good right. picture. Yeah. Is that the right one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That one, um, Dory sent that to me. I sent her the picture, but that, picture um, represents who Sam is as a person and a football player. That was a play. Dylan got, you know, mistreated on the field and Sam was basically over there, you know, making sure he was okay. So, yeah. Well, last week before our Thursday show, news broke of a possible series between UCF and UF. That was this this week's big question that I asked on Twitter. What do fans think about it now that the dust has settled? 41% said it was okay. 34% said they like it. Full admission here, you're a UF grad, correct? And um, yes, yes, we have a Gator grad on the show this week. What do you think of this series? UCF and UF down the line, 2024, 2030, 2033, long time off, but a couple of years from now. Well, let's see. That little smack talker that posted this nonsense today, I don't know if it was today, but what did he say? I think it'll be good to show them who runs the state of Florida. Bring it, baby, okay? Because uh, we're not the same team that UCF was in 2006 when they got beat 42-0. to zero. Um, We're a different team, and I'm sad that Sam won't be here to stomp them in the ground. But um, 
hey, I say, let's go. We're going to beat them for sure. I think I predicted 56 to nothing. <laughs> High hopes. <laughs> Yeah, I will. I will take. Uh, I will take that. D- does Sam have any goals for his uh, his last year here? Obviously, he's accomplished a ton at UCF. Uh, Mike mentioned some of the accolades he's had. D- does he have any specific goals that he wants to meet this year? Well, definitely to be the best football player. Um, he graduated in December with a degree in psychology, and then he's doing higher. Uh, he's working on his um, master's with uh, higher education. I believe it is. Uh, I'm not quite sure to be honest because. You know, he's already graduated, but um, for one, you know, like we do have the some of the NIL stuff happening, but he, right now, one of his focuses is to participate in the Alzheimer's walk. I think it's October 23rd. We're working on getting a team together for that. And um, my father died from Alzheimer's, so it's just something that's close to his heart. And, you know, he wants to at least bring awareness to that for sure. A couple of years ago, the mom squad started becoming really, really popular on Twitter and Facebook and all that. Do you guys have everything planned? I know last year was probably a tough year with COVID. Are you guys planning the tailgates for this season? You know what you're doing? Well, technically, we're not supposed to tailgate. And the first year they let us do that, um, since we're parents, they had to give us an educational um, talk. So our compliance person would come over to every event that we had and would talk to us about something. Um, I think it'll be a little different this year because we have a lot of new parents that are in. So we're going to like spend our time since it'll be my last year here. We'll spend our time trying to, you know, pass the torch on and, and, you know, it'll probably be more in the stands um, initially just to, you know, just to get them started and get them connected. So yeah, that's it. Coming up Thursday, it is the return of a traditional ladies' night at UCF. You'll be participating in that, no doubt, wearing the number 73. What are you expecting? What do you know about the event? And are you ready to hit some tackle dummies? Uh, I hope that we're not doing that. I did that in 2017, okay, and under Frost. And it was a good experience. Um, It was an hour and a half of going through each station. But I didn't get that from this event, so... I will not be wearing Sam's jersey, even though I do have it on now for you. But um, I'm dressing up because I'm not running those drills again. That was, no, that was too much for me. I didn't like it. So so no football uh, drills for you. You're going to have a good night out with the other ladies. Yeah, I'm hoping it's going to be, you know, it'll just be more social. They're gonna, I, I think they're going to have some, um, like they did before we played trivia with, the football players, but I don't know what they've got up their sleeve. I mean, Christy's kind of hosting it, so we'll see what she's got. You know. Well, we know. hope you uh, have a good night, and uh, we appreciate you stopping by the Sons of UCF uh, and sharing a little bit more about Sam. Good luck this season to the mom squad, and we'll be cheering Sam on. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. We love your show. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Good to hear the perspective of a parent. So often we're talking to players, and uh, she's uh, she's a fun lady to talk with. So uh, enjoyed having her on the show tonight. Yeah, that was really cool because you know, again, we we're all rabid fans on Saturday, and we turn the game on, and we yell, and we scream, and we do everything, and and we forget when the game gets turned off that you know these guys have friends and families and people that care about them. So it's it is it's cool to hear the other side of things and. Um, and, and hear some of the behind the scenes stuff. And, and we forget, I, you know, these, these are somebody's, you know, sons and daughters and, and nephews and nieces and uncles and who knows what else out there. So I think that's, it's always a good sobering uh, reminder that uh, this is, this is real life for a lot of these guys. Trace, do you have the details of the, the women's clinic? Is it still, is it too late to sign up? Do you know the cost, where it's at, anything like that? I don't know that it's, I think it is too late to sign up. Uh, so I don't know, have any more details about that. I just know that it's uh, Thursday. Night. Was that a jab at me somewhere along the line? I thought that was something that I should participate and learn more about football. So were, were, you, were you, were you going to go, Mike? I don't, I'm confused, Mike. Were you going to go? Just, I'm asking for the audience. Anybody out okay. there that, that didn't know about it and they're just hearing now and maybe they're interested. Yeah, I think I think that that's closed, but but I'm not sure. But originally, when I talked to Jennifer, she was going to join us from the tail end of the event, but because that Orlando City home game Thursday night, and you guys allowing us to do the show on Wednesday night, uh, she hopped on with us. But I don't have more details about that. Uh, I uh, I do hope when they get their walk together in October 
I, I've bragged about your ability to, to, to do a 5K, Mike, so perhaps you'll, uh, you'll put together a little Sons of UCF team for uh, Sam's uh, charity walk for Alzheimer's. Maybe something yeah. you can do. Here Got room go for some more uh, trophies. Yeah. Metal I here we go again. Yeah, I thought I'd set that up. Uh, we are uh, two weeks away from AAC Media Days. You're hearing about so many of them. We saw a lot of Josh Heupel uh, at the SEC Media Days uh, yesterday. Cheap shot. I, I, I liked uh, that uh, that he has experience building something from the ground up. Hmm, I don't know. He he took over a team that hadn't lost and then promptly lost one, three, and four. But. We'll let him spin it however he wants. I, I received an email, and I need Night Nation's help with this, uh, from the AAC. Somewhere along the line, they think I'm a distinguished member of the media, and they want to know my opinion in building the uh, AAC preseason predictions. I have a uh, survey link that allows me to rank the schools 1 through 11. So uh, drop some comments in, uh, in this uh, during the show. Where should UCF go? We've already mentioned oddsmakers have Cincinnati as the favorite. Where do I put the cows? Do I put the cows last? 12. Maybe Temple's last? 12. Behind UConn. Still behind <laughs> yes. UConn. <laughs> yes. Uh, what do you think? What do you think? Where, where, UCF. If, I know you guys are going to predict that they win every game, but what do you think is reasonable preseason prediction? Because I think Cincinnati will be who is picked. But who do you, who do you think I should put in there at the, at the one spot? Yeah, it will be Cincinnati. Spoiler alert. I think uh, the people voting, the, they were turning a lot of, of, of players from last season. Obviously a great team. Uh, when you when you hear the Phil Steele conversation, he's very high on Cincinnati. He lists a lot of reasons why he thinks that they have a potential to be a, a top 10 team uh, at some point in the season. So he's very high on them. So I, I think it's probably reasonable to assume Cincinnati's one. Again, I'm going to put on my night goggles here. I'm going I'm to go UCF one. Uh, I think we're, you know, we're poised. I think we've got, uh, we've got talent all over the place. I think Gus has a chip in his shoulder. I think Dylan's motivated. I think the COVID stuff's behind us. I think both the, you know, again, at this point, Dylan Gabriel has never been Cincinnati. Uh, and I think that's, uh, that's something that's, that maybe is going to stick with him and eat at him. If we're going to win, like Phil Steele said, we need a big game out of Dylan. So I'm going to ride with Dylan. I saw he cut his hair recently. So maybe he's getting more serious again. I don't know, but I'm going to ride with Dylan. He's never been Cincinnati and maybe this is his, uh, his first chance. So if we beat Cincinnati, I think we're in the driver's seat. So give me UCF one Cincy two. First of all, congratulations to Trace. Putting on that Sons of UCF shirt has really done wonders. <laughs> you get invited to participate in these things. My email must be in my spam folder. I'm going to have to check on that one. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I, it's hard for me to pick against UCF. You know I'm a homer when it comes to things like that. I say when you put it in, they always put down how many first-place votes each team gets. So you be the guy, put UCF at one, and at least we'll have that at least one in parentheses next to mm. That's an interesting Interesting strategy. Ballot is due Friday. Drop in your comments. Where do you think UCF should go in that preseason poll? Where do the cows go? Got to do a little more study on there, and uh, I'll submit that ballot. You know, association with you guys, it's it's got me uh, this invitation. I'm getting invited to more social events by the nature of being associated with you, so it's all good. You're hanging well, out with the cool kids now, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I thought of you when I saw John Rothstein, the uh, college basketball expert, mentioning uh, that uh, he's picking UCF men's basketball fifth, fifth in the AAC. He spoke with Houston head coach Calvin Sampson. Of course, Houston, uh, another tremendous season last year. Uh, Sampson has AAC, AAC with four potential teams in the NCAA tournament, that being, of course, Houston, Memphis, Wichita State, SMU. He does call UCF a sleeper. If UCF were to finish fifth, uh, can you live with that, uh, Mike? Uh, that's middle of the pack. I mean, I'm hoping for more improvement than that. This is a good conference. You know, four teams getting in the tournament, that, that that's pretty solid. But, you know. SMU, were they that great last year? I don't think they were that great last year. Wichita State kind of came out of nowhere to win the conference after having a down year the year before. I don't, I don't see any reason with the roster that we have, the depth that we have now, why we can't compete in the top three, four of this conference. Yeah, obviously Houston is uh, would again be the preseason favorite or a Final Four team. You know they're returning a bunch of guys from last season. That makes a ton of sense. Memphis recruits very well. Penny Hardaway uh, does a great job bringing in talent in. They had a down year last year. Very athletic team, uh, and you know so you'll see how some of those guys kind of rebound. I think Mike's right. UCF has got to be in that three-four mix, right? We've got to find a way to get past a Wichita State. 
an SMU if we think that's that's a that's a team to be concerned about. I hate to say this, the Cows aren't terrible. I mean, they had a, a relatively solid year last year, right? They lost a bunch of guys to the transfer portal, so we'll see what that means for them. Um, but I, I agree with Mike. UCF's got to be in that three four conversation. Um, the talents there, we know the experience is there. Uh, you know, hopefully, uh, again, barring injury or anything uh, catastrophic from a pandemic perspective, and we should be full strength. And uh, it's it's Johnny's year to roll. So I agree. Fifth would be um, would be disappointing. In order to crack that top four with those teams mentioned, you're going to have to win at one of those places or more than one of those places. You're going to have to win some road games in there, and you just can't feast on the ECUs of the conference. If you want to be one of the big boys, you're going to have to win at Houston. And we know how difficult winning at places like Wichita State has been, Tulsa, Memphis. Can they crack through? At least they're being listed as a sleeper, but, Mike, as you said, deep conference. Basketball gets ever closer. Uh, No official schedule released yet, but we're getting closer to the start of basketball season. Well, Trace, I would say we we hung with Wichita State. We should have beat them at least once that we lost to. We had a close game early on with Houston. Memphis, we we got blown out. We weren't even really in the building in either of those two games. But that was a weird back-to-back at Memphis because of the COVID stuff. So we were competitive last year with many of these same guys, missing some of the new guys. So you, you got to hope that that bodes well, that even though we didn't finish the the deal, that you know maybe some, some confidence was gained. So while I, I agree that you have to beat those guys, um, we hung in. Um, it's not like we outside of Memphis, we didn't get our doors blown off. So maybe that's 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 a, a good sign moving into next season. And Johnny can capitalize on that. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a good conference, but let's not pretend it's the ACC either. You know, <laughs> half the teams are not that good. East Carolina and those teams. And if this was any other sport, if this was football and a coach is coming into his fifth season and we're talking about, hey, we're going to p- compete for fifth place. I don't think we'd be too happy with it. That's the bottom line for Mike. A tough sell. Uh, We'll await the start of basketball season. We are in the midst of the Olympics. Do you feel the buzz? Softball, soccer getting underway Tuesday. Uh, And UCF now with seven Olympians uh, participating in Tokyo. The latest from a sport I didn't even know was a sport. Uh, Chelsea Wolfe added to the women's BMX team. Women's BMX is an Olympic sport. Of course, Phil Dahauser, we know him from volleyball. They have a paratriathlete in Kyle Coons. Aline Reyes, who uh, participates in soccer for Brazil. Maddie Rogers, weightlifting. Kristen Thomas, rugby. And someone I know, a friend, Steve Anderson, is a men's basketball referee. So good luck to all of the Olympians. Do you, do you have any Olympic uh, fever? Any Anything you're interested in in particular watching? Two things. Great job on the Eric Lopez-esque name drop there. Uh, I saw the, uh, the women's <laughs> soccer team lost 3-0, uh, which yeah. was not a good opening uh, opening match for them. Um, I mean, I'll watch some of the Olympic stuff. I think the time difference is going to be interesting. I don't know what they're showing live, what's not live, what's streaming, what's not streaming. I'm a simple person. I want to turn my TV on and I want to see the thing. I don't want to have to chase it down. So that, that could... Um, uh, you know, that could give me some some pause. But family and I always like watching the swimming, the gymnastics, the track and field stuff. When that stuff's on prime time, it's always good. Uh, so I'll, I'll check that out. The, the men's basketball, I'm interested to see if we can uh, field together a squad that can beat the vaunted Australians because apparently we can't do that. So <laughs> I, I will be tuned in for select events. I just I'm an old man. I need to know when it's on. I, I just let it on my TV. I don't have to go find stuff. I don't, I don't have time for all that. Yeah, they spread it out over like 10 different channels. Uh, I'm not really that excited for it. If it's on, I'm home. I got nothing to do. I'll throw it on. I'm not planning a day around watching any of these events. That's just me. And and the fact that it's halfway around the world, I'm going to know what happens. I'll hear it on the radio. I'll hear it somewhere before I even get to watch it. He'll hear it on the radio. (laughs) 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 Or on the Sons of UCF podcast where we cover any and all UCF events. I expect full BMX coverage on Monday's show, guys. All right, time now for that ticket giveaway. I want to thank the Orlando Predators Arena football team for giving us a pair of tickets. We asked a couple of trivia questions. We prepared to answer those trivia questions, Mike. They were your hard-hitting uh, questions from last week, and we had some uh, we had some winners. So uh, let's turn over to you guys. What were those questions and answers, and who were our winners? So first question, I'll let Mike answer. Who? Uh, what former UCF Knight was the MVP for the Predators in an arena bowl. Mike, the answer is linebacker, Rick Hamilton. And the next question was what year did the predators play their home games at UCF arena? That answer was, it was 2014. I believe. 
That is correct. You you got him correct. And so did these two people here. Rejoice Knights, who joined us just a few weeks back. Uh, she is the winner of a, a two-pack of tickets there. And then WP Wellbrock 4 I don't know your real name. It wasn't on Twitter. But uh, both of you have uh, have won a pair of two seats to the July 31st Predators. And who are they playing, Trace? It escapes me off the top of my head. Carolina Cobras. Throw out the records when the Predators and the Cobras get together. <laughs> but you will be there to watch it. So do us a favor. Um, send me a DM with your full name so we can make sure we get you your tickets. And uh, we'll be in touch via the DMs. But thanks to everybody who participated. Uh, special thanks to the uh, the folks at the Predators. Uh, Dylan Barnes obviously joined us last week as well. So good to have a, a nice relationship with the uh, Orlando's uh, hometown arena team. Uh, but congrats to our two winners. Hope you enjoy the game. Good deal. Thanks to the Predators. Have you guys interviewed Rick Hamilton on the pod? No. Uh, we have not. Maybe some of us have been searching for him recently now that Mike brought his name up. But um, I don't want to give away too many secrets, Trace. But uh, no connection with Rick Hamilton has been made just yet. So enjoy him next week on the banner ad, I'm sure. <laughs> we're, we're giving away guests now. <laughs> we do all right, have an old school yeah. guy coming on next week. Not going to give away too much. Confirm the guests are ready for our next episode. You won't be hearing any throwbacks. Uh, an old school UCF night. I do right, know one show is. Rick Hamilton won't be on, but uh, but he uh, we'll we'll chase him down, Trace. Uh, is that the kind of old school guest you enjoy listening to on the radio? Perhaps. <laughs> what are you talking about? You don't like? Are you saying you don't listen to the radio? No, I just it's just funny the way you're, <laughs> just funny the way the two talk about technology. So I'm talking to my uh, my nephew, and I was talking about a show, uh, and he wasn't familiar with it, and he said, uh, "I don't know what it is." And I said, "It's on like ABC Tuesday nights at eight or something." And he looked at me like, uh, "You know what? Tuesday nights at eight on ABC?" Like, you know, I was talking about a payphone or something because he's looking at things on his phone and streaming. I mean, I remember watching six seasons of Lost over six years. He just binged it in two weeks. And it was like, I'm disappointed by the ending. I imagine how I felt. I watched it for six years. You know, so you guys Lost. are talking about. Lost was terrible. You, you hung in for six seasons of that? Jesus. Well, I was hoping for a better ending. All right. Before we lose all sort of time, I added a couple of mailbag questions related to this uh, possible Oklahoma-Texas move to the SEC. Our, our buddy Robert, at two letters, two words, new last-minute mailbag question. He asked, what will be the impact on UCF if Texas OU go to the SEC? I think that opens a door, right? Opens a door for some additional conference shuffling um, and where the where the chips may land will be interesting, but I think it opens a door for UCF. Again, my hope would be it allows us to be selective and and figure out where the dominoes will be. Um, does that mean a, a Big 12 with some uh, the leftover schools? Does that mean the ACC looks to do something? Does the Pac-12 cannibalize some other teams from other places? And does that bring UCF into picture for other conferences? Um so I think it opens a door and, and hopefully gives us an opportunity. It creates uh, chaos. I think chaos is good. Anytime times things get shaken up like this is good. We'll either end up going to a bigger conference or staying in the AAC and the AAC expanding into a better conference too. Well, Mike, let me ask you this one. Robert had a second question with the proposed changes to the uh, playoff. Uh, would OU have a more difficult path to the conference championship? And would Texas ever be a conference champion? It seems their better path is where they are right now. Yeah, but I don't think it really matters. If they're going to the SEC, the SEC is going to get five of the, of the auto bids to get into the, the playoff, the 12-team playoff. You're going to get six conference champions, and the rest of them are going to come from the SEC, four or five every year. So they got to figure they're going to be in the top half of it. I think what's interesting, too, with this, by the way, Trace, is what becomes of the Longhorn Network, which is Texas's mm -hmm. sort of own network that's a subsidiary of, of, of ESPN. It's, I think it's through ESPN, but there's the, also the SEC network on ESPN. I think they make a ton of money off that. So I think that's got to be adjudicated, too. So that's why I don't know if this is a lock yet. But to your, to your question, I don't think this means Texas is back, folks. At uh, D-E-I-O-R-I-O -I -I -O underscore T, if OU and Texas, uh, if in fact this is true, does the ACC try to compete by expanding as well? And if they do, is UCF in the mix there? And maybe you, do you see UCF joining a dilapidated Big 12 or perhaps the Big 12 and AAC combine forces a little bit? We talked a little bit about that off the show, the top of the show. Yeah, I guess if I, you, it made me choose between a, a Big 12, a combined Big 12, AAC, and uh, C, the ACC, uh, 
I guess the ACC would be more competitive, right? We then we'd have a natural rivalry in state with Miami, Florida State, Clemson. Obviously, is probably the the leader in the clubhouse there. So I guess from a competitive standpoint, the ACC would be more fun. If you're saying easiest path to a playoff spot, then a dilapidated Big Twelve is probably in that realm. Uh, and with uh, the com- combo platter being behind, so from a competitive standpoint, give me the ACC. I guess that'd be more fun with some in-state rival stuff. Definitely, I definitely take the ACC. Get to play Miami and Florida State every year, and then talk about basketball. Uh, that's a much better basketball conference. Trace will be happy when, when we finish twelfth in that conference. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! A little shot at me. Uh, at by C A Simmons, who should UCF schedule a two for one with next? I hate the premise of the question. My answer: Kansas, Rutgers, Washington State, Vandy, Wake Forest. I mean, since it doesn't matter anymore. Since we've sold out on two-for-ones, if this is in fact true, does it matter? I mean, we can't hold ourselves to a higher standard now, right? There are teams that we won't play once we agree to play by the rules that the cows play by. What do you think? Who do you want your two-for-ones with? I want nobody, Trace. I mean, I think we should continue to try to find one-for-one deals. So my answer is nobody. We we shouldn't just go out and willy-nilly say we're open for two-for-one conversations. These are negotiations, right? We should walk into a door with a school and ask for a one-for-one and go from there. And and so I, I guess nobody's my answer. Now, if you're telling me that I have to have a two-for-one game with somebody, then it becomes what do I want to see? Do I want to see a competitive game? Do I want to see a game in the place I've never been before? So if I had to pick this list, give me Notre Dame just for lack of uh, purpose. I think Mike pick Notre Dame as one of the places he'd want to go visit and see a road game. So give me Notre Dame just for no other reason than that. But my answer is nobody, because I think while we accepted this two for one Florida deal and you can parse it and make it a one game deal that then got two games added on as a sweetener, however you want to, you want to do from that perspective. I, I, I don't want to make that a, a common place if we don't have to. So if I need to, I guess I'll go to Notre Dame. Unfortunately, now that we signed it with the Gators, I think we just got to follow suit with the cows did. Alabama and Notre Dame, those are, those would be two that I would take uh, that would be acceptable to me. But it's better than Kansas or whoever else you, you said. <laughs> uh, I don't think you can do it with everybody just because they're P5s. It'd have to be a big, big-time school that, to make it make sense. Well, Trace, in your, in your Kansas, Washington State, are, are we the two home games? No, that's uh, – yeah, yeah, we're the two home games. In that okay. Scenario. Yeah. I mean, yeah. no, but no, I, I, I don't like any of it. But since they're, you know, I, I get your point that we're negotiating, but it seems like, you know, we're, we're down a pathway now here where we are going to be the cows at sublime underscore night. He set up uh, some rapid fire questions for us. Which would you rather Ohio State two for one or Nebraska one for one? Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah. Um, Alabama two for one or Tennessee one for one. Tennessee. 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 Clemson two for one or Miami one for one? Miami. Miami. <laughs> yeah, Miami. All of these one for ones, obviously. They're, these are big names too. Nebraska, Tennessee, Miami. Yeah, I take them all one for one for sure. Notre Dame two for one. Oregon one for one. Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. When you have the option of two for one or one for one, yeah, I take one for one every time. But it, when you have the option two for one only, then you got to pick the bigger names, right? Plus, these are juicy matchups. I mean, again, Nebraska, Tennessee are revenge <laughs> games. Yes. Miami obviously talks a ton of trash, so that would be a nice little friendly rival. So those are, those are tough because if he had said a one for one with you know Colorado State or a two for one with Ohio State, I may have taken the Ohio State just to play a bigger team. But when you throw the juicy revenge options and the rivalry stuff with Miami potentially, I think I, I think you got to go with those uh, those juicy options. All right, UCF Athletics accepting Hall of Fame nominations through Friday. Our buddy Eric Lopez Elo, who do you guys think should get in the next UCF Athletics Hall of Fame class? Now, I've seen some answers in there. 2017 nights, but one of the rules, they have to be removed 10 years. Uh, there's a lot of sentiment for Gene McDowell, but because of, uh, you know, off the field uh, legal issues, that is a character issue that UCF disqualifies him, which, you know, certainly posthumously he should be in there. Any name jump out to you? You guys have interviewed quite a few people. Uh, any of those folks that you'd like to see included in the Hall of Fame? Well, there's a, there's a lot of rules here, Trace, that have to be considered, right? You mentioned the 10-year. I think one of them is in some of the categories you have to have graduated uh, from UCF as well or be a graduate. I know he technically wouldn't really be eligible just yet. Um, I don't know if Blake Bortles graduated. No, he left early. Did he come back and get a degree? I don't think I don't he know. graduated. Um, so Blake would be a name, but I, I'm not quite sure on his eligibility, and I know he's probably got a year to, to wait on that. I think Blake would be somebody you think about. Um 
you know, I think the other name and it's, and it's going to be controversial. I don't even know if I should say this one out loud, but he had such a great UCF career as Bruce Miller. I know uh, post UCF, he's obviously had some things going off the field, but he's had such a great UCF career. Um, every every week we talk to a guest in that era and Bruce's name somehow comes up and Mike, and I don't ask. So I think that tells you the respect he had for his teammates. So so maybe Bruce Miller, I know there's some off the field stuff that, again, may preclude him if you think yeah. about all the bylaws. But uh, but Bruce will be another name I think about. That's a good one. Are you sure it's 10 years? I, I read today. I saw seven years as as the rule. I thought it was 10. But either way, we're not there yet on the 2017 nights. No, no, but we are there for mortals, unless it's the graduation thing. And what about Jeff Godfrey? It was 2013 class. Uh, I think he, he's worthy. And you want to go back to a guy from our time, the number two all-time leading rusher, Alex Haynes. Over mm-hmm. 3,000 yards in his career. He's a good one. Mike Sims Walker, another one that put up some record numbers. Some good names. Some good names there. At Brian W. Peterson. Uh, what UCF football game are each of you most looking forward to the season and why? And he puts the caveat, you can't pick the same game as someone else. I will go first, Boise State. All on the line there. Gus's first game, home, perhaps a full bounce house remains to be seen as COVID rears up. A lot on the line with that one. Set the right tone for the uh, the Gus Bus era. I think Mike and I kind of did this on the show a while back. I think um... – I'll take Cincinnati next, obviously, because that's the the game that will probably decide the American Conference, barring something uh, really unique. And I suspect Mike will take Louisville next. Well, you guys took the two obvious ones. So I'm going to go off the board here. I'm going to say the Orange Bowl against the Gators. We, we moved the game <laughs> up earlier. First round of the playoffs. Maybe they can't duck us anymore. <laughs> Good one. Uh, at J.P. Gilbert, you're the new athletic director. You've been ordered to cut one sport at UCF and add one in its place. Uh, what do you cut and what do you add? And he would later go on to say that he's tired of cupcake questions. So he's hitting us with a harder hitting one. Um, I would probably cut one or both of the golf programs. Um, I just, I golf is such an individualized sport. It's hard to think about that. I don't even know when we try to do our preview. I don't know if we won or anything this year. I know we had some individual records. So uh, as sad as it would be, I would probably uh, ax the, uh, um, the golf programs. I would, um, I've always been um, uh, a bit biased. I would add men's volleyball. I played a little men's volleyball growing up. So I would add a men's volleyball team. Um, I think you could do either indoor or beach. Obviously we have Phil Dahlhauser. So I think you have some options there. So if I'm, if I'm taking two programs, I don't know if I get to add two. Uh, so I would, uh, I would do that. Uh, and I would add a lacrosse team. I think lacrosse is a growing sport. I think a lot of kids in Florida are playing that in high school. So give me a men's volleyball team and a lacrosse team. It could be men's or women's. I don't really care. I'd add men's track and basically because it helps the football program. Every once in a while you get these blue chip guys that are really fast, but they also want to run track. We don't have that option for them. And we get rid of a team. Does it have to be also a men's team for the title nine thing? Uh, We have more women's programs than men's programs as it is now, but I guess it's the number of scholarships is how it works. So if it has to be a men's thing, I I have to do golf. Uh, If you tell me it could be any sport, uh, rowing, or, or cross country, I guess. What are the other ones? Yeah, rowing is not the one you want to get rid of because there's a lot of scholarships that count towards Title IX on rowing. So a lot of people on the rowing team. So uh, I, I like beach volleyball, but I got to agree with you, uh, Mike. Uh, men's track, and I don't want to cut anything, but I'd probably ditch cross country. So don't don't want to cut anything. Uh, I want to end with uh, at UCF uh, Feisty. Uh, how about a shout out to Night Nation showing up for Britt's birthday? Some $1,100 raised and surprised Brit last Friday. Uh, this is uh, Robert Arnoff's uh, effort to rally Night Nation and keep Jan and Brit in the dark. And I, along with some others, uh, surprised them at dinner last Friday, and we got the, the well of tears. So uh, uh, thank you for making a mention of that. A good surprise for Brit on her birthday. Yeah, I mean, every time something, uh, you know, you, you don't think Night Nation can come together and do something even better. They, they find something else to do. Obviously, we saw a few weeks back, we saw the, the, the gathering for, for Lynn uh, and how, how moving that was. And every time you think that, okay, we've topped it, we've done the, the greatest thing we can do, you, uh, Night Nation comes together again. Nobody more deserving than Britt, obviously, is UCF's number one fan. So that was definitely cool to, to see. Kudos to Robert for putting that together, Trace. I know you were part of the delivery the delivery team, dare I say you were the mule, I don't know. Uh, but uh, it was definitely good uh, to see all that come together. Well, Britt, is, she has moved into the level of super fan now. Everybody in UCF land knows who she is. Happy birthday to her. Do we know how old she turned, Trace? Uh, 20-something, I believe. 
20-something. I don't recall us talking about her age during dinner, but 20-something sounds good. Uh, yeah, happy birthday to Britna. Thank you to Night Nation. Before we uh, talk about who you had on the show this week, a little shout out to uh, Sammy Kincaid, who announced via social media that she'll be leaving UCF. Uh, and the social media post and uh, strolling with Sammy and all of those segments that we've come to know. She's moving on to some new ventures. Want to thank her for being a big fan of the Sons of UCF and have enjoyed her time with UCF. I, I guess this clears the walk and talk space, perhaps. Listen, I don't want to say anything, but Mike and I were texting earlier and we were concerned that it, we would we'd have to make a, a lucrative contract offer to keep you here at the Sons <laughs> UCF because we figured uh, DeSalvo was probably in your DMs like in a hurry with like, listen, strolling with Sammy was so yesterday, uh, you know, walking with Trace is the new thing here. So um, we have paperwork being prepared. Uh, it's it's empty right now, but it will say something. Or something <laughs> it's, that I it's an empty piece of paper. <laughs> yes. C- uh, congrats to Sammy. She's, she's got a, a better job now and very nice girl. We met her a couple of times. We had her on the show once before. But yeah, Trace. It's wide open now. This is it. Wide open. This walk and talk space. It's all uh, yours. Plus, as, as we talk with NL, uh, NIL, if you DM me, we can do a special walk and talk for you for a very reasonable price. I'll just make a mention of that again. Uh, what you guys see, I put out a uh, best of show this week under uh, the funky name, the Sunny Side Up, uh, Sunny Delight, uh, one of those names. I actually like Sonny Delay. I don't know why we're not using that, actually. Uh, <laughs> That's a different kind of show. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, traips- traipsing with Trace may be a good one, too. Uh, this was a uh, a Sunday night conversation. Again, I've said this before, but Mike and I have, I don't know, 95 shows worth of interviews that we've done over time. Uh, and so some of these have been really good interviews, good conversations. They're not available to you anymore. So we're trying to find new creative ways. With the schedule being a rearrange this week and us coming to you earlier in the week, we figured let's just trot out a couple uh, and listen, they all can't be stars. Two quarterbacks who played for us that really helped bridge the gap to uh, to future quarterbacks, future success. Uh, Vic Penn and Brett Hodges are the uh, the uh, Sunday night conversation guests. And uh, at least Dan Cundiff here was a big fan of it. So uh, at least one person listened. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. yeah. We did those interviews a long time ago, a couple of years ago. I think at least the, the Vic Penn yeah. one was one of the earlier ones. But a lot of good insight in some of those games. The game in Gainesville, where we're going back in a couple of years now, uh, Big Penn played a big part in that one. And Brett Hodges, of course, 2009, the, the first ever win against a ranked team with Houston. Some big moments for those guys. And, and might I say, Brett Hodges is criminally uh, misremembered or unremembered by Knight fans. I know he's only here one year. That was a good year for UCF, a springboard to 2010, 2008, 2007, right? We'd had some up and down seasons. Brett came in, solidified stuff. Uh, we talked about this with Brian Waters a few weeks back. We had like 19 quarterbacks in three seasons. Brett came in, solidified that. Uh, and so uh, criminally misremembered by UCF fans is Brett Hodges. I like it. I think it was Vic Penn that you were talking about Danny White's scheduling model and whether he preferred one for ones or two for ones. And he was open to two for ones. So it's interesting when you listen back to some of these conversations, which by and large aren't particularly dated, but you'll get a nugget like that. And it's interesting to view it through the prism of now and the discussion on scheduling as relevant and present today as it was when you had those conversations. Good stuff as always. And be sure download as soon as it comes out right there at six in the morning our 25 minutes with uh, Phil Steele. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, how about you, Adam? We got a little insight from Phil. He's got a deep dive into UCF and the AAC. Yeah, I mean, he. I, I think the interesting things about it is, is um, uh, you know, his his take on UCF and where they are now with Gus Malzahn, how, all that, how that'll all shake out. And I thought it was interesting. I mean, we spent a lot of time thinking about UCF, right? But uh, we we know there are other teams in the American. So some of his insight on the other schools, uh, spoiler alert, Mike mentioned a school off the top of the show that, uh, uh, that Phil was also telling us to keep an eye on this year based on their schedule. So it's good to, to think about and and also remember that we have to play other schools and Phil did a nice job breaking all that down. Yeah, I wasn't a part of this, so I get to listen to it as a fan for the first time tomorrow when it comes out, too. And, and I guess I never knew what Phil Steele looked like because he posted his picture earlier. That's not what I thought he looked like. So, uh, well, uh, a little behind the curtain, we tried to line up Phil as a live show guest, and his folks informed us that Phil does daytime interviews via his landline, and he calls you. You don't call him. So... There it is, 9 a.m. Adam and I on the phone waiting for Phil still to call, but he called, and uh, we got in nearly a half an hour of conversation with him. A little homework for you guys. Uh, let's shift over to defense next week. 
let's uh, plan to be on Thursday night from 8 to 9 on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube and look at the defensive line. Big cat. Uh, yeah, so we'll talk a little bit about the defensive line as our position-by-position -position reviews continue. Just 43 days until kickoff against Boise State. We want to thank Jennifer Jackson for joining us. Uh, give us a little insight on what it's like to be a part of the mom squad and cheering on her son, Sam Jackson, who is poised to have a big season. And again, thanks to the Predators. And let our folks who won be sure to DM uh, the sons of UCF with your first and last name so we can arrange those tickets for you against the, the hated Carolina Cobras. So fun one, guys. Thanks for accommodating the Wednesday schedule. Good to join you on another night during the week. And uh, uh, thank you guys for watching. I'm Trey Strelko. Go Knights! Charge on. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.